This episode of Manage Smarter is presented by TeamKeeper, SalesFuel's data-driven program for improving team culture, communication, and retention. Learn more about TeamKeeper at TeamKeeper.com. Welcome to the Manage Smarter podcast with hosts C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong. We're glad you're here for discussions on new ways to manage smarter, hire, develop, and retain talent, improve results, and propel team performance to new heights. This is the Manage Smarter podcast. Welcome, everyone, to the Manage Smarter Podcast. Tell a friend, share this, let the word get around. We're so glad that you're here to join us. I'm Audrey Strong, the Director of Communications for SalesFuel. And I'm C. Lee Smith. I'm the President and CEO of SalesFuel. Guess what we have with us today? And who? An amazing woman. She's a futurist. I love futurists. I'm yes. all about the future. I hate looking backwards. I love looking <laughs> forward. Def Westfall, thank you for coming to the table, CEO and futurist of Toffler Associates. How are you today? Oh, wonderful. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know about Deb, she is amazing. What a background. Um, she works with Toffler Associates. She is the CEO and they focus on really four critical issues and opportunities, strategic advisory, innovation and agility for companies and organizations, organizational transformation. I think we could all use that at one point or another and risk management as well to create value and improve processes in an increasingly complex global landscape. So we're going to talk about people and processes and all kinds of stuff. So Deb, thank you again. Wonderful. So Lee, you go ahead first out of the gate. Well, I, I, you talk a lot about the human-centric organization. So I'd like to learn a little bit more about what exactly that is and how it differs from your typical organization out there. Sure. So the easiest way to, to really tell um, the difference between a human-centric organization and in uh, traditional organization is, um, you know, whether or not leaders are allowing process and structure to lead their decision making, or are they really leading from a place where they're putting humans first? And that said, you know, the difference is subtle, but it's, it's significant. The, the human-centric model says, let's figure out what it's going to take for our people to be more successful, and then let's adjust the process and, and structure from there, rather than adjusting process and structure first and then following up with people. So it's sort of like, okay, here's our process for storming the castle and, and raiding all of the king's jewels. You know, basically, I'm, we're going back, you know, decades, centuries ago, because you know, this stuff's been around forever, as opposed to. Um, okay, here's how you can do a better job with, with the catapult so that we can be more effective in storming the gate. Is that a fair analogy or? Sure. It's, it's really in, in, today's, um, in today's world where technology is just ubiquitous and uh, in, in more and more being adapted in organizations, humans in their value is, you know, needs to be brought to the forefront. And so these structures and processes that we've built inside organizations for the last, you know, what, three, four decades to optimize around business outcome is really getting in the way of, of human creativity and, um, you know, the, the values of, of human in, in organizations. Yeah, we, we've had other guests on that talk about um, artificial intelligence that's coming down the line and how even right now, a lot of softwares can really do the tasks that people do. So you have to decide, you know, do I want to put my money into artificial intelligence and software or into my people? You actually talk a little bit about some key societal shifts that are driving a more human-centric organization. What are the things happening now? 
So from our work, we've identified basically five, uh, five shifts that are, are fundamentally shifting the way people work. Um, how they live and, and how they engage with each other. The first is what we call the, the power of balance. And that's really from traditional entities to non-traditional entities. Um, whether that be a private company taking on functions that have uh, traditionally been performed by governments or collective groups of like-minded individuals taking on power long held by established organizations. Um, you know, think about, uh, you know, the recent headlines of the 3,000 employees at Google signing a, a letter saying, you know, we, we don't want to do work and we don't think Google should be doing work for the Defense Department. Um, this is this balance of power that is, is you know, taking place and, and actually accelerating. Uh, a second uh, driver is what we call social alterations. And this is really how individuals' value systems are, are really being replaced by faster generational turnover. And, and changing attitudes and priorities, you know, driven by technology, but really driven by the, uh, the collaboration of, of people, which technology um, allows for. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of interesting research on, you know, generational and generational turnover. It used to be 20 years. Um, now people are saying it's, it's about 10 years, um, moving to seven years, because generations, you know, as, as time moves faster and faster, there's, there's these different commonalities uh, amongst people. So that's, that is driving how uh, we want to work or how we want to live or how we want to engage with each other. Um, a third is what we call complex collaboration. And this is the idea that, you know, we need to work together with, with different social models and different structures and different norms to really kind of continue the shift in, in maturation that technology is going to, um, to affect inside the, the organization. We will have to collaborate with machines. We will have to collaborate with, with AI and in uh, human machine learning. So um, this, these different structures and norms are, are really shape, shaping how we, how we will work in, in the future. How far but, away is that? I mean, that's now. Yeah, it, it is now. It is now. The, um, the evolution will, um, you know, will advance in such a way that it will be, you know, we will start to think of these machines and, um, as really teammates versus technology applications. So, um, we're here, it's, it, is to, it is now, but we're using it more as an application, not necessarily as a peer. You know, it will be, um, it'll be interesting when, um, you know, the first CEO is, is a robot or a human machine, you know, that uh, is cranking data for, you know, optimization of the business. So, you know, that's the next level that, you know, we will, we will see in, in the future. Another shift is, is really um, what we're calling value creation. And it's how individuals and organizations will generate, capture, and earn and perceive value. It's, it won't always be um, economic. It will be around time. It will be around value. It will be around health. It will be around societal um, you know, good. And so that, that shift is, is changing organizations and, and work. And then we talked about the technology acceleration, and that will continue, and that is a, a big 
you know, a big driver. This kind of reminds me of a conversation we had a while back with Tom Peters, and we were talking about uh, the, as far as managers being able to manage smarter, knowing that machine learning and AI and, and things like that are, are, are becoming increasingly the norm uh, across the landscape that what differentiates the managers from the machine is the fact that we're human and that we have emotions and that sort of thing, but yet so many managers aren't aware of the human side or of their emotion. They're just drivers of task. Is that how you see it? Yeah, and um, for sure. I mean, you can go to business school and they don't teach empathy. They don't mm -hmm. teach, uh, right? You're, uh, they don't necessarily teach uh, self-awareness and, and uh, conflict resolution uh, amongst, uh, amongst human beings. So um, it, that, those softer skills or attributes will become more and more important for managing smarter um, as we go forward. So what, um, why is it important to sort of transform to this? Um, so everything's coming at lightning speed. Um, I'm going to show more empathy. I'm going to put my people first um, if I make a shift as a leader. And then how does that come back to me, ROI, as I'm moving through time? Well, there's, um, there is an urgency to, to do this now because it will take time it it will take time um you know we're at the the very beginnings of of the um the early adoption of of these type of te technologies you can read uh there was an interesting uh report that i read out of um, ibm that that talked about you know some of the the uh the industry evolution uh, and adoption of, of the technology. And um, we're just at the point where early adopters are, are implementing. Uh, most industries are, are just dabbling. So, you know, over the next 10 years, we'll see more and more of the technology being uh, implemented, which will make it more and more important to become this human-centric organization. So, you know, what do, uh, what do we need to do? And, and you know, we need to start um, looking at the processes and structures that we have in place that optimize um, the organization versus, versus humans. There is a lot of uh, obsolete knowledge um, kind of in organizations of how we do things. Take, for instance, how we do strategic planning. Um, you know, how we do strategic planning today is a bottoms up. It's very human driven. Uh, humans go out and, and get data and, and forecast and, and optimize. Well, in the future, machines will do that. So the question is, what part of strategic planning will be human? And humans play a very important role in decision making. But right now, most corporate strategic planning, the, the, the decision making is at the top versus spread throughout the organization. So let's say I want to hire this type of manager then who can uh, be good at both, uh, being able to merge in the human emotional side of being a human-centric organization then with being able then to work with AI and, and machines and that sort of thing. What would you look for then in hiring that particular type of manager? Well, um, in that case, I think it's important to, to really look at their values and uh, versus the, the skills or the, the, you know, the education that they have. And so, you know, what do they value? What experiences do they have, um, you know, that they've, they've brought to, they, they're bringing to the table? 
Um, we, we espoused to uh, the idea that a, a very value-driven organization is, um, you know, is needed for, um, you know, moving forward into the, uh, into this, this kind of this new frontier. So, um, in short, it's, it's values and attributes. It's the soft skills. So if you hire managers then who are really good at those types of things, does it make it a little bit easier than when it's time then to transform organizations and move them forward to get to prepare for the future or new competition or new product lines or something like that to really then affect change in an organization? If you're asking, is it easier um, if you have a, a values-based uh, culture with uh, individuals that uh, you know feel strongly about that, um, that are you know moving forward with purpose and a, a common purpose, it is um, because it's easier to engage all employees and throughout the organization to make that transformation. Do you have any advice for people listening in the audience right now who are saying to themselves, <laughs> not to their boss, God, I'm kind of like a zero adopter. I'm kind of a late adopter. You know, grudgingly, nah, you know, Lee wants me to learn, you know, megaphone. Nah, nah. I don't feel that way. Lee and I are both lifelong learners, but how do you coach up people so they can move to the future with the organization, people that you really want to invest in, do you advise that you send them off for some technology training or what are you telling your clients to do? You know, it, uh, it, it kind of starts with, uh, it starts with them. And there's some, there's some simple things that uh, leaders can, can start to, to, to do. Um, you know, I would add with, with some encouragement here they can do this. It's not overwhelming. It's, um, you know, you, you start, you start with, uh, with small steps and, uh, and know that you're probably going to make a few mistakes along the way, but that, that's okay. So there's, um, there's a few things that in our work that we see that are uh, future, really future focused leaders um, have in common. The first is being uh, bias busters. And what I mean by that, Love that. Yeah. is is really being aware of your own biases and, and get comfortable with challenging yourself and and why you believe in something. Um, biases and belief systems without knowing why you believe in those will get in your way. And so, mm -hmm. really take that time to test. Uh, you know that that fact or that that belief that you have as to, to why do you believe that? And um, so that's, that's kind of the first one. The second, uh, the second is to, to tune into humanity. Um, you know, you can, you can seek out different, uh, different perspectives, different belief systems. Your organization has um, immense, immense diversity in, in, in it. Um, why do people believe what they believe and, and, and have those conversations and, and, uh, and seek to learn and, and, and really tap into that. And then the third is, is really, you know, trying to champion the change by driving towards that discomfort. And, you know, we've all heard that saying change begins at the edge of your, you know, your comfort, uh, your, your comfort zone. Um, we all have different comfort zones 
just kind of lean into that and mm-hmm. and really promote new ideas and new ways of, of thinking. Allow those to bubble up in your organization. As a as a leader or manager, you still have the ability to say no or not go forward, but allowing those ideas to 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 come up and, and discussing those are important. You've really got to let go of the whole idea that somehow uh, you look vulnerable or you look weak if you don't know all the answers, right? Absolutely, and I'm a I'm a big fan of uh, Brene Brown's book, uh, her work around shame and vulnerability, and and uh, and it is really something that uh, leaders need to. Um, you know, need to embrace. Vulnerability is strength. And in, it will be um, even more important in, in the human-centric organization of the future. Go ahead, Lee. We talked a little bit about uh, how being human-centric, though, can really set the table for greater innovation and, and, and transformation and, and change management. Can you talk a little bit more about, uh, you know, some of the ways in which, you know, that affects innovation and maybe is there a model there or, or or something like that you can point to? Yeah, so the, um, uh, well, the, the, the greatest is, is tapping into to humanity, right? The hopes, dreams, desires, fears, creativity, emotions, and passions of, of, of people. Um, you know, when you, when you allow that to um, come forth, um, innovation will, um, you know, innovation will, will, come forward. So, um, you know, there's, there's different models that organizations have, have gone through. Um, you know, one of them that we, we, we like to use with organizations is just to ask the what if. Ask the what if, ask the hypothesis, get people engaged with that, that, uh, those ideas and the ideation of, of the possibility and really, um, you know, move forward with, with some testing and with some ideas and with some collaboration to, to answer the, the question of, of what if. So that's that, that test and the practical application of, of some of the ideas that came up through the idea, ideation session. Is that, am I understanding that correctly? Yes. That's, okay. Yes. Because some employees are intimidated by the C-suite or they don't understand, they don't feel they're in an environment, the leadership hasn't shown them they're in an environment where I can send an idea up, you know, uh, have something, an innovation bubble up from, from my level. And so when you create a safe environment and you create an environment where you're asking questions, like you said, then you may get some amazing ideas that come to you, correct? Absolutely. And, and that's what we're talking about is, is um, on human-centric organizations. Uh, we were working with a, a senior executive in a very large aerospace firm, and um, she mentioned that her people were no longer innovative, and uh, they lost their innovation, and we need to go find innovative people, you know, so she thought it was an HR problem, and I challenged, you know, challenged her, um, her thought there, and I said, you, you've got innovative people, you know, you're, the process and the structure that you have is, is really stifling the, the innovation of the, the people. And she kind of sat back and, and thought for a second and she said, um, she started laughing and she goes, oh, you've seen our 56 step to, to oh create. My God. Oh my God. <laughs> right? Wow. <laughs> you know, and you think about it and, and I'm sure your listeners have the, you know, these processes in place where you have these gate reviews and you have these series of forms you have to fill out and, and you have, hmm. you know, 
people that you have to, you know, get on board. That's the opposite of human centric right there. That's process driven. <laughs> that's, that's, that's process driven. That's an example of, of the process driven. And, and so as a, as a leader um, in trying to manage smarter, be in tune with those things that are, are you know, getting in, in the way of, of that. That doesn't mean that there isn't structure. There, of course, there's going to be structure in, a, in an organization. It's just different structure. One of the things that we as managers have to do a better job of when it comes to people bringing, pushing ideas up is we have to acknowledge the idea. We have to actually listen to the idea with our full attention, not be off on our cell phones or on our computers doing something else at the same time. And then we actually have to reward them and make them feel good for the, the fact that they actually brought the idea to our attention. I don't care if it's by email, by text, or, or in person or something like that, so that even if that idea stinks, but at least they'll feel good about the process. At least they tried and everything like that, and they felt good about it. And they weren't belittled or shamed, or they won't, I won't never do that again. It's like it, so that's that's sort of like my little rant on, on this whole process. Is that I think it starts right there that we as managers have to do a better job in that area first. Well, you know, it's uh, it's it's interesting because a lot of uh, a lot of attention is being put on the Gen Z, the Gen X. Um, there's all sorts of you know, there's all sorts of urban legend out there about millennials and, and how they behave. But, but um, you know, they are, uh, they're the ones that are going to help us with, with really creating a, a human-centric organization. They were, they were born into this, into this technology. They don't know any different. You know, they see, um, they see the organization uh, in, a, in a way that maybe we don't see. Um, so we need to listen to them and we need to learn from them. We need to seek their, their perspectives because they are questioning, why are we doing this this way? It doesn't make sense. Why are we doing this? And it's not challenging authority. It's really, you know, it's really about why are we doing it this way? In today's world, why do we have these processes and these structures that are, um, are getting in the way of us being faster and more efficient? They've always had a, a seat at the table, though, when it, when it comes to expressing themselves. It's like, okay, mom, why do we always have meatloaf on Monday? <laughs> and, and, why, and why is curfew at, at 1030? And because I they're on so. social media. That's the answer. Well, <laughs> no, that's and, not the answer. No, it's not the answer. But in their mind, they're, they're on social media and they're able to express themselves. Yeah. And that. They've always had a seat at the table and never been shy really about expressing their opinion. And so now that's carrying over into the workforce. Last question, Deb, is that, is that, would, would that be being a better listener, being the number one mistake you're seeing consistently for leaders wanting to move into the future and be strategic about it, listening better? Yeah, listening, um, it, it, listening better and, and really leading, the mistake that they're making is leading with process versus with, with people. And, and if, you're, if you're leading with people, you're listening, you're seeking to understand, you're, um, you're, you're allowing those different perspectives to come forward. Um, so I, I think that is the, the number one, the number one issue. Listen and, and check your bias. And I yes. think you're spot on with that because Sales Shield is based in Columbus, Ohio and home of the Ohio State University where they had a football coach there named Woody Hayes, who, who always used to say, you win with people. So even back then, wherever that you know that was the belief, or whatever, and I definitely feel like it carries over. I think I think it carries over it into the human centric organization that that Deb that you're talking about. 
I think you're right. So it's toplerassociates.com. They've got a couple of Twitter feeds, right, Deb? So Westfall Deb is your Twitter, your Twitter handle. But I also love this. There's Toffler Insights. Yes. Twitter yes. as well. Everybody needs to follow that. And do you prefer that people contact you on Twitter? Or how would people who want to reach out to you? Uh, um, you can you can reach out on Twitter, or you can go to our website, and there's uh, you know there's a couple ways to connect us uh, through our website. And I love the be, website. Yeah. yeah, that would be awesome. That's great. So subscribe, rate, and review. Tell a friend, Deb. You tell your stakeholders. We appreciate you coming on the show. ManageSmarter.com will have your episode and all the back episodes. Manage Smart Pod is the Twitter for the podcast. Sales Fuel is for Sales Fuel. And um, I don't know if you're familiar, Deb, but we're a part of the C-Suite Radio Network as well. And that's C-SuiteRadio.com, and this will be there as well. So send people there too. Wonderful. Wonderful. <laughs> Thanks, Deb. This was great. Thanks we appreciate it. Yeah, great thank conversation. You very much. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.